There's a new report out from the Ontario Chamber of Commerce and the Tourism Industry Association of Ontario that suggests the province's tourism industry is in bad shape and not expected to fully recover from the pandemic until 2025. Last check, that's three years from now. Dr. Jessica Ng is the Director of Policy and Government Affairs at the Tourism Industry Association of Ontario and joins us now. Jessica, good morning. How are you? Hi, Rick. I'm great. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I, I guess the tourism sector isn't okay right now. How would you describe what we're seeing with this industry? So what we're seeing right now is still really sluggish recovery. It's happening, but the pace is really slow. And, you know, what we're seeing right now is a lot of tourism businesses with significant amounts of debt that they've accumulated over the course of COVID-19 and staggering amounts of debt that are really hindering the capacity for these businesses to hire staff, to ramp up capacity, to really benefit from um, rising visitation. Uh, And so, you know, we still have haven't seen visitor markets return yet uh, in full um, business travel, which is so important for downtown cores and so important for surrounding areas, still hasn't returned yet. Um, And then we've got new and challenges like inflation, which is causing rising operating costs. We've got rising interest rates and the unprecedented labor crisis right now. That is the number one concern for tourism businesses. Um, Folks who had worked in tourism during the pandemic left um, and are no longer coming back. And so, um, you know, we've had longstanding issues with hiring folks in tourism, and it's making it a lot more difficult for, for our businesses to recover. The report says tourism businesses in this province are generating 64% of the revenues that they saw in 2019. What kind of dollar figure or dollar loss are we talking about here? So we are talking about billions of dollars. Um, We have an estimate uh, that between 2020 and 2025, Ontario will lose over $30 billion from tax revenues uh, from tourism because of the pandemic and that slow recovery. So we are talking about significant, significant dollars and a a lot of job losses as well. Is the slow recovery still overwhelmingly pandemic related or has inflation stuck its toe in the mix to say, hey, uh, this is, uh, you know, another uh, chink in the armor? So certainly um, inflation, rising interest rates is really exacerbating uh, that slow recovery time. Um, Still a lot of, you know, longstanding pandemic related issues, all those economic scars from the pandemic, those, you know, unprecedented revenue losses, you know, at one point, um, uh, six in 10 of our businesses were losing or had lost about 90% of their pre-pandemic revenue. Um, And we're not making that uh, money during the pandemic. And of course, we've had longstanding, you know, systemic issues like um, infrastructure. So we just don't have, you know, that integrated uh, system of um, transportation to get people across multiple destinations in Ontario. We've got the affordable housing crisis, which uh, is making it difficult for folks to um, work in our industry because they just can't afford to. Dr. Jessica Ng is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Jessica is the Director of Policy and Government Affairs at the Tourism Industry Association of Ontario, along with the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, has come up with a new report that suggests the province's tourism industry is not expected to fully recover from the pandemic until 2025. Let's go to some of the recommendations, and you mentioned some of those things like affordable housing, improved infrastructure. There's another one which really piqued my interest around cannabis tourism and potential cannabis consumption zones at concerts and big sporting events. How likely is this to develop in the next, I don't know, year or two? 
So this is an issue that, you know, we are still working with the province on um, and with the federal government on. And so um, it's it's an, you know, um, a development that is going to be many years in the making for sure. Um, and with uh, the, you know, the appropriate regulatory changes and something that we're going to work with vendors on, we're going to work with their industry partners on. The report also said that seven in 10 tourism companies have taken on debt to stay afloat. Uh, you add inflation to the mix, it's it's costing them more to carry that debt low. That's really a double whammy. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we think about also the rising cost of living for, you know, business owners individually. It's making it a lot more difficult to decide whether or not to continue that tourism business or to leave uh, the market entirely. And then you've got the labor crisis as well. It's making it difficult to hire to, you know, really um, meet that consumer demand. Um, it's uh, significant pressure for tourism businesses, definitely. Lastly, we got about a minute. One of the report recommendations says, hey, we should make this Ontario staycation tax tax credit permanent, has it enticed people to discover Ontario? Absolutely. So what we're hearing from um, businesses, from consumers, is that the staycation tax credit has incentivized them to um, visit somewhere that they hadn't gone before, spend more money because they know they're going to get a little bit back, um, and um, engage in visitor experiences, local attractions that they hadn't really considered before. And so it's something that um, we asked uh, the province to do, and uh, we're really um, appreciative that they implemented this. Um, and it's something that's going to be important in the long term in incentivizing people to really explore their own province so that, you know, in case we have any future disruptions to visit uh, visitation in Ontario, we still have that domestic visitor. And so this is about the sustainability of our industry. Dr. Ng, appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Rick. And it's Dr. Jessica Ng, Director of Policy and Government Affairs at the Tourism Industry Association of Ontario. We're going to dig down a little deeper on this issue with the mayor of Niagara Falls. Massively impacted is that city on this report and what plans do they have in store going forward? We'll find out next year on Good Morning Hamilton. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. say this, but I love when Alicia plays this song because this is the song that is played after the Maple Leafs win a home game. It's happened with great regularity over the last number of seasons. Although, you know, <laughs> it is not the most, you know, energetic, inspiring, hey, we won a hockey game kind of song. But, you know, look at their goal song, the Hall & Oates song. Uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, I guess the team likes these kind of throwback uh, retro songs. Gets them going. To a point, at least during the regular season. Ontario tourism industry is not only struggling now, but it's going to take several years to fully recover. So what does that mean for a community like Niagara Falls, heavily dependent on tourism? Jim Diodati is the mayor of the city of Niagara Falls and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Jim, good morning. How are you? I'm very good. Top of the morning to you. I, I guess you weren't surprised by this report, but the, the overwhelming idea is how what kind of impact are we seeing in Niagara Falls right now and going forward? Well, what I can tell you is domestic tourism this past summer was pretty good. Uh, it came back to pretty close to pre-pandemic numbers, 
And the staycation tax credit from the provincial government went a huge way toward helping that. But international travel definitely has not come back. Uh, the major issue that we point out for that was the Arrive Can app that kept Americans away. And now that it's been finally removed, but unfortunately not until after the tourism season was over, we really don't know for sure how quickly it's going to return for next year. So we're keeping an eye on the borders. It's trickling back. It's definitely not been a tidal wave, but we're keeping an eye on things. So we're, we're hopeful 2023 will be the return of the international, but it remains to be seen. We're not really certain, Rick. We're still keeping our fingers crossed and keeping our eye on the ball, but we're hoping. I know I read the report. They're talking that it could be another one to two years after that. That's horrible because, as you mentioned, in Niagara Falls, you know, it's, it's huge. It's our lifeblood, 40,000 people count on tourism to feed their families in Niagara. So for us, it needs to come back sooner than later. The uh, provincial tourism minister, Neil Lumsden, said, hey, we're, we're working on this. Uh, we're going to you know, be able to welcome visitors and showcase all that Ontario has to offer once we get whatever the new Ontario tourism industry looks like. What do you want to see from the province? What strategy has to be in play? Well, Rick, that's a great question. And I speak with Neil pretty regularly. And, and he definitely wants to do whatever he can to help us, and he's been very, very helpful. The big thing I'll tell you that I had suggested, and I brought this forward federally and provincially, what I think needs to happen, we had two years of negative messaging for visiting Ontario, visiting Canada, uh, negative messaging around our borders. So that's out there right now. So I suggested it's got to be something huge. And, and one of the ideas that I was suggesting to our uh, provincial and federal tourism ministers is that what we need to do is have a grand reopening of Canada, send out a huge international message to the world. And, and I said, let's make it sim, sim, uh, symbi- symbiotic, symbol- symbolic, mm-hmm. and make it so that we've got both federal and provincial ministers here, the prime minister, and cut a massive ribbon. And I suggest we do it right here in Niagara Falls, the number one leisure destination in Canada, roll out a symbolic red carpet, have a huge splash, but then make sure it's backed up with a huge marketing campaign to the world to let them know Canada's back in business, we're open again, and we're welcoming international visitors. That'd be a good start, Mayor Jim. Appreciate the time today. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Rick. Thanks for having me. And it's Jim Diodati, the mayor of Niagara Falls. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Who let the dogs out? Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton. You are listening to 900CHML, 900CHML.com, and on the Radio Player Canada app, free to download in your app store. Well, yeah, we are talking about dogs because there is some good news to report. You remember that couple who was renting out a home on Highland Avenue in Hamilton? This was back in October. The tenants were in the process of being evicted. The homeowners, the people that own the home, were like, hey, you got to get out. And, oh my gosh, there's six dogs in this home that are living in deplorable conditions. Feces everywhere, not enough food. 
uh, it was not a not a good situation. These six dogs were in pretty bad shape. Well, they have, as you probably know, they've been rescued. And not only that, they are now ready to be adopted, which is amazing. Sean Bacher is the owner of All for the Dogs Rescue and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Sean, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm good. Let's start with the basics. What kind of dogs were in this home? They were a mixed breed of Rottweilers and Rottweiler Shepherd mixes. Okay. Explain their condition. How did they look? They were a little malnourished and dirty. That would be expected from being left in the house for so long. Um, Other than that, they were actually in pretty good spirits the day that we went in and retrieved them. Since then, they are very loving animals and just need a good home. So how did you gain their trust and make them adoptable? Was this an easy task or was it a little challenging? To, just like most of us, food is a quick way to our heart. <laughs> um, so it was, it was pretty easy to feed them some good dog food, considering they were very hungry to begin with. And just over time, uh, just like with any human, right, you gain, gain their trust over time, so... Sean Bacher is the owner of All for the Dogs Rescue. You can check out the website, allforthedogsrescue.com. Were these dogs, uh, would you classify them as friendly when you picked them up, or did they need some uh, coercing to become uh, friendly dogs? I would say they weren't friendly. I think they were more scared and confused Mm -hmm. as to what was going on. Um, Being handed over by different groups of people would obviously upset me as well, right? Um, it's just time. That's all animals need, just to show them affection and love, right? Remember, dogs are only show one thing, right? That's unconditional love. It's humans that make the errors in life. Absolutely. So there's an Adopt-a-thon that's going on this Saturday. Tell us about it. Uh, the Adopt-a-thon is at Wren's in Hamilton. We are hoping to adopt a few of my rescues out from Hamilton and other rescues that I have. Um, we're also trying to raise any kind of funds for the rescue. And just to make awareness to people that animals right now are in serious need. So this goes Saturday, December 17th. It's from 12 to 4 p.m. at Wren's Pets on uh, Rymel Road East. So th- there will be more than six dogs that will be up for adoption? Uh, Yes, right now we have 15 dogs that are available for adoption. Um, There was six Hamilton dogs. We've already adopted one beautiful lady out. Um, So she's in her forever home now. Um, We're hoping to do the same with the rest of them over the holidays. It's the time to give, so people, I beg you. And where are these other dogs from? So I actually specialize in animals that are at risk of being euthanized. So California and Texas are real horrible states. In the United States, they're euthanizing a million dogs a year. So we are trying to rescue as many dogs as possible and have them migrated to Canada. Sean Bacher is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Sean is the owner of All for the Dogs Rescue, the website allforthedogsrescue.com, and four is the number four. Talk about that process, because we're bringing dogs from California and Texas, 
A, how do you find out about them, and what's the process of bringing them up here? Um, Social media is a very powerful thing these days, as all of us are very aware of that. Most of these dogs that are in these death shelters, as I per se, will have a page where they post which animals are on a list to be euthanized. Then we reach out to the shelter, have the animal pulled. We find fosters that can foster the baby until I have transport through Canada. Transport comes to Canada twice a month from Texas and California. So we're pretty organized on getting the animals out of the two states that are really in need. And why is it so bad in those two states? What's going on? COVID. During COVID, everyone ran out and bought a dog. Now COVID's over. It's very unfortunate. Most people go back to their materialistic world and have left the animals behind. So it's become a pandemic, period. People talk about COVID. Well, the real pandemic is the 16.2 billion dogs on our planet that have no homes. Well, that is pretty sad. I would imagine... Numbers are very exaggerating. It would take, there's 8.2 billion people on the planet to fix our animal crisis. As of right now, each human would need to have four dogs. Wow, that's incredible. That's uh, big numbers. I'd imagine this whole scenario of transporting the dogs and, and getting them uh, is a costly venture, and that's why you're you're, you're asking for donations as well uh, this Saturday at Rens. Yes, yeah, so we raise any kind of funds that we can. We're about $700 Canadian per animal to have them transported from Texas to Buffalo. Then I drive to Buffalo and pick them up, bring them home. We've got about a minute. What kind of home and what kind of pet owner do these dogs need? Most of them just need a good home, a soft bed. Most of them just need mostly like middle-aged children, uh, a nice-sized backyard, people that have time to take the animals for a walk. Well, if that sounds like you, you can go to Wren's Pets on Rymel Road East from 12 to 4 this Saturday. Sean, best of luck with uh, this project. Uh, you're doing a lot of good in the community. Thanks for joining us today. Yes, thank you very much, Rick. Thank you for having me. That's Sean Bacher. He's the owner of All for the Dogs Rescue and, uh, wow, doing some amazing things with bringing dogs from as far away as California and Texas. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Semi-finals are set at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Will Croatia return to the final again? Or will Leo Messi and Argentina get their moment? Can Morocco pull off yet another monumental upset, this time against defending champion France? Or will we see a repeat winner for the first time in 60 years? Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. John McGrain is a former Canadian men's soccer player, member of the Canadian and Hamilton Soccer Halls of Fame, and the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame, and he joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. John, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. 
Two amazing semifinal matches are on tap. Let's start with today's tussle between Argentina and Croatia. What bursts out for you with these two teams? Well, as far as uh, Argentina is concerned, uh, I, I think the, the one thing that surprises me about Argentina is the fact that we thought going into the tournament that they were going to be led by Messi, score lots of goals, overwhelm teams, and it's been their defense that's really held them together. And, uh, and I think they're very hard to score against right now. A lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, the Manchester United player, Lissandro uh, Martinez, since he's been brought back into the team, that it's really solidified their defense. So it's, uh, they're going to be hard to, to score against, but uh, never count out Croatia. I mean, at the beginning of, the, uh, of this tournament, it was, uh, you know, they, they weren't mentioned, you know, uh, and now there they are. Uh, the, the potential of being two finals in a row. Two crafty teams, that is for sure, and you can probably say that for the other semifinal match that brings us to tomorrow, and that's France and Morocco. Certainly, France has all the talent in the world. Their B team can probably beat a lot of other nations, and Morocco has certainly been the Cinderella story of this tournament. What comes to mind when you think of that uh, matchup? Well, I think uh, the fact that Morocco's in the semifinal is uh, an indication of how this World Cup has gone. Uh, I mean, you had Germany not getting out of the group stage. Uh, there was a lot of teams in it. Belgium never got out of the group stage. Uh, there's been more upsets in this World Cup than I think uh, than I than I can remember. But uh, it just shows you uh, how Canada did. I mean, when Canada didn't get out of the group stage, I was rather disappointed. But then when I look at it today and see that uh, both Croatia and Morocco are in the semifinals, uh, one realizes that uh, they were definitely in the group of death. And and I think Morocco is everybody's, you know, sentimental favorite. And and I hope that run uh, continues. But they're up against probably the class of the, of the tournament in France. Is it an example of global soccer getting a little bit closer to parity. You know, we see that in the NHL and the NFL, uh, a little to extent in the NBA and Major League Baseball. But in, in the global soccer stage, there's those, you know, titanic teams. And if you beat them, maybe you caught them on a bad day or you had an extraordinarily, you know, well-planned uh, attack or defensive scheme. What Morocco is doing, does that mean we're getting closer to parity or is this just a fluky thing? Well, there's nothing fluky about uh, Morocco. Uh uh, I, I, I think that uh, there's been many teams that have uh, shown, look at the, the way Japan played. Uh, I mean, there's there's many examples in this World Cup where uh, parity is something that is, is real, which is great for the game. I think that uh, what it means that the World Cup that comes to Canada uh, in four more years, uh, I think we're going to have a situation where uh, if you're betting money, uh, uh, you know the teams that traditionally have been in the fi- uh, the quarters, the semis, and the finals, they might not be there anymore. They'll be the the teams that come up from, uh, especially in Africa. I mean, most of the teams uh, that, that from Africa in this World Cup have played exceptionally well. So uh, do not be surprised 
if you see Morocco beat France, do not be surprised because yep. Morocco don't give up goals. We they've given up one goal and it's been an own goal and that was against Canada. That that's how Correct. stingy they've been. They've been unbelievable. But you mentioned uh, Africa. You know Ghana. You know showed well in this World Cup. Cameroon beat Brazil, the first ever African nation to beat Brazil at a World Cup. These yeah. teams are up and coming and they're showing quite well. That is for sure. So if I were to ask you, John McGrain. Which two teams are going to win these two games and meet in Sunday's final? Who are you going with? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going Argentina-France. I don't want to sway you, but I'm going with the two favorites. Well, I, I, again, you're, a conserv- you're very conservative. <laughs> right? I mean, you're going to go with the, the favorites. But, yeah. uh, uh, I, I'm going to say Croatia is going to, go, uh, is going to go back in the final again. They really do. Uh uh, I think Luka Modric is real class. I I, I think scoring against uh, Korea, uh, against Argentina is going to be very very difficult. Uh, uh, but I I do believe that it's going to be Croatia today. Uh, I really do, and and I'm going to go with the underdog. I'm going to say that uh, Mor- Morocco is going to beat France. Wow! So I'm going to go with the two underdogs. Uh, but would I put money on it? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm with you there, John. That would make for a wonderful final. No matter what two teams go there, I mean, the, the action on the pitch has been remarkable at this World Cup. We can say that. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure, Rick. You take care. John McGrain, former Canadian international member of the Canadian and Hamilton Soccer Halls of Fame and the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame. Should be a lot of fun. Enjoy the rest of the World Cup from here on in. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Sixth annual Christmas Tree of Hope campaign is powered by Leggett Drive Life. We would love for you to contribute to the funds, that is the Children's Fund. Give where you live and help out underprivileged children in our community. All the money that you donate to the Tree of Hope campaign gets dispersed to some wonderful local agencies who help uh, less fortunate kids in our community, not just at Christmas time, but throughout the year as well. You can donate in, in a variety of ways online at 900CHML.com. You can text the word donate, that's D O N A T E, donate to 30333 and donate 10 or $20, or donate to new unwrapped toy to Operation Santa Claus Toy Truck. You can call the radio station here at 905-521-2310. That's 905-521-2310. Or drop off those toys at any participating Hamilton Fire Department stations. All the locations can be found at 900CHML.com. And tomorrow is Pioneer Energy 3 Cent a Liter Day. That's when 3 cents from every liter of fuel purchased at participating Pioneer locations will be donated to the Tree of Hope. Well, I had the chance last Friday to take in what was a wonderful experience and that is a local production called a hamilton holiday at theater aquarius if you're looking for a great way to celebrate the holidays why not take in this live production that incorporates a hamilton theme 
and really celebrates uh, what our city has to offer. Mary Frances Moore is the Artistic Director at Theatre Aquarius and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Mary, good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. How did a Hamilton holiday come together? Oh, well, you know, um, it was as a mixture of uh, serendipity and practicality. <laughs> we, um, as you know, we usually do very large-scale, um, big holiday musicals at Theatre Aquarius over the holidays. And last year and this year, with, you know, coming out of the pandemic, we wanted to be a little more fiscally responsible. But I recently moved to Hamilton, and I just think it's such a fantastic city. And I'm constantly blown away by how many incredible artists are there from here or also live here. And Theatre Aquarius has a really fabulous theatre school um, that has been here for for several decades. And it really has just, um, it's bred some of the best music theatre performers in the country, truly. And so I thought, what if we got some of these artists um, from Hamilton or who live here in Hamilton to tell their stories and share their talents? And, you know, they're multi-instrumentalists. And so that was just sort of the genesis of it. And then once we started um, building the show, it just kind of it took off from there. I was not only blown away by, you know, you have an incredible cast that, as you mentioned, they play a number of different instruments. They're singing, they're dancing, there's tap dancing. Uh, and, and behind it all is a wonderful story about our home. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I think one of the actors says it so beautifully that um, when the world shut down in 2020, you know, he was, he had traveled around the world for work. He had been, you know, on stages across the globe. And when that happened, he just wanted to come home because it felt like, a, you know, where it, it was where he wanted to be. And I think that's sort of the kernel of it, of where is home, you know, and, and where do we find home sometimes? You know, and it's not always with our family. Sometimes it's with our chosen family. Sometimes it's in the places we least expect. You know, we have that opening number, um, No Place Like Home for the Holidays, but we've changed the words uh, to fit Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we had a riot writing that song because we were able to just take, you know, take all the things we love and, you know, are surprised by about the city and, and put it into words. And, you know, we, we had a lot of jokes and then we went, you know what, let's, let's only celebrate the great. Like we don't need to, we don't need to say the things that everybody already knows. Like, like you know, we, we talked about things like homelessness and poverty, but then we found out that, you know, what all the amazing things that there's social service agencies in this city, that all the thousands and thousands of people that work to make the city a better place. And when we wanted to celebrate Hamiltonians, we were like, there are extraordinary Hamiltonians that, are recognized around the world. But what about the people you just see every day? What about mm-hmm. those people? And you go like, what's that person's name? Or I see them, but I don't know actually know their story. So we just kind of really wanted to celebrate the everyday, not the not the Hamilton that people can read about anywhere, but the Hamilton, the, you know, if you know, you know kind of thing. Absolutely. You can get your tickets at theateraquarius.org. It's called A Hamilton Holiday. It's on until Christmas Eve. Uh, Mary, wonderful production. Best of luck uh, going forward. This is uh, an absolutely uh, incredible production that you guys have on. Oh, thanks so much. Thanks so much for coming, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Mary Frances Moore, Artistic Director at Theatre Aquarius. Again, online, theateraquarius.org to get your tickets. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML.
Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton. You're listening to 900 CHML. Rick Samprin waking you up on another fine morning in our city. You can listen to the show in podcast form. Head over to your favorite podcast platform, search out Good Morning Hamilton, and hit that follow button. Well, if you've been on social media lately, and I know many of you are there, and some of you are not, and that's fine to each their own. If you are, you will probably have noticed a number of photos, selfies, that look kind of different. They look cartoony, artistic. Well, the people that are sharing these images are using a new, very popular app called Lensa AI. It's gone viral. It, it basically edits your face and creates pieces of art. However, with anything good, there comes a little bit of bad. Uh, and there are concerns over privacy as well as copyright infringement in some cases. Carmi Levy is a technology analyst and journalist and a good friend of Good Morning Hamilton who's back on the show. Carmi, good morning. How are you? Uh, really, really well. Great to be back, Rick. Thanks for having me. Have I nailed down the explanation on this application? You absolutely have. I mean, it looks really cool. It's getting a lot of buzz. It's the most popular download on the uh, on the Apple App Store, the iOS App Store. Everybody's talking about it. Massive buzz. You see it all over social media. But it's one of those things. And a couple of years ago, I don't know if anyone remembers, but there was an app called Face App. Mm-hmm. It was very, very similar. It, you know, all of a sudden, these really cool images started showing up on people's profiles. And it's like, where did you get that? And everyone downloaded Face App, and then. They kind of paused because that app was Russian-owned, and as it turns out, they were doing things with our data that might not have been really above board, and that's kind of what's happening here. This is It looks really cool. It, it, everyone's talking about it, but ooh, there's quite a dark side, as there often is with apps like this, and you may want to pause and sort of think, mm, is this really something I want to do? How much do I want to give up in order to look like the cool kid on the, on the social media block? So why should we be cautious? So a number of reasons. So one is is just it commercially, and they're, they, they they kind of try to rope you in. So Lens, Lensa or Lensa AI, it's an app that's been around for about four years, and really nobody paid attention to it because it really wasn't all that great. But they updated it last month, and they added something called Magic Avatars, and that's what you're seeing here. And basically, what what they are is you 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 feed it ten to twenty photos of yourself. It then takes those photos and it goes off into a data center somewhere in the background and it processes them and it creates these these anime-looking avatars and it uses artificial intelligence, machine learning. Um, it goes onto the internet and it trains itself using millions of photos that it finds out in public uh, and then it, it sort of creates this capability. It's all driven by AI, very next generation. Um, but the problem here is, is that magic avatars are only available on the, free, so the app is free, but you have to pay for the magic avatars. If you, um, if you sign up for a seven day, uh, trial, uh, you can, you can do some magic avatars. The problem is you'll then f- probably forget to cancel that seven day trial and then you're automatically on the hook for a $40 a year subscription. So there's a bit of a sort of commercial interest in the background that they're very sneaky about, and, and, and that's bad enough. What's even worse is the way, it, first of all, there's no guarantee that your information, your photos, are, aren't going to be protected. They say that they'll be deleted within 48 hours, but this is a company that has a track record of not doing so. And what's even worse is that individuals are now using this service uh, to, they're not just feeding it photos of their headshots. They're feeding them questionable photos, questionable photos, not suitable for office 
photos and SFW, um, and uh, it doesn't do anything to stop things like nudity or or images of a sexual nature. And so all of a sudden, these are popping up all over the internet as well because people are sort of feeding it and seeing what it can do. Major behavioral dark side here. And the company is doing nothing to rein that in. Carmi Levy is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Carmi is a technology analyst and journalist. Why are we so fascinated by these facial recognition apps, whether it's Lenza AI or something else? It it seems kind of weird. It does, um, but I think at the same time, we've always been fascinated by things that are, you know, of a next generation of technology. So think George Jetson's flying car, think nuclear fusion, think space travel. I mean, all of these things are, you know, things that we, we talk about, we buzz about, we wish we could be one of them in the middle of them. And artificial intelligence clearly fits that bill. It's it's the next generation. It's kind of what powered Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator. Um, it's it's it, it promises us if if it proves proper, it promises us a better technologically driven future. But at the same time, AI doesn't come without some concerns. And you know, basically, you know, we we worry about robots taking over. We worry about a dystopian future. We worry about the technology being introduced without appropriate controls over its use. And although we're not quite there yet, apps like this give us a bit of a taste of it, that they're racing ahead, they're being introduced. We don't really have any rules or, or norms of behavior to govern that how they should be used properly and how we can prevent their, their use in an abusive scenario. So it is cool. We're fascinated by it. We all want to live in the future. We want to get there sooner. Um, but this is one of those cases where there are some major ethical issues related to its use, and we still haven't quite figured that out yet. For example, uh, you know, it, 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 it goes out onto the open Internet, and it uses photos that it finds in all sorts of databases, including possibly your own. If you stored photos online, uh, Lenta might have, tr- might have used your photos to train it. And there are now artists who are now seeing their work showing up elsewhere. It was fed through Lenza, the, and artificial intelligence created a new version of it, but it's based on someone else's work. How do you claim against that? There is no legal precedent. So kind of frightening, especially given even if you don't download the app, you could be at risk. Wow. Proceed with caution. Carmi, always appreciate your time. Thanks for chiming in today. Great being here, Rick. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com.